Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and joins us for the weekly update here on a Friday morning. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Sort of good morning to you. I'm not sure where I am and what time it is, but I'm here. Malcolm is somewhat jet-lagged because, believe it or not, he just returned from Africa a few hours ago. What he was doing there, I don't know, are you allowed to reveal what you were doing there? I'm not sure myself, <laughs> but uh, in all seriousness, we, uh, we had a small delegation that went to the African Union Summit, uh, which held its first meeting, first time that they invited a delegation of American Jews, much to the consternation of some of those present. And we had meetings with many African heads of state and leaders who uh, very responsive individually to relationships with Israel. And uh, again, reminds you that we are one, that they see no distinction. We're all Israelis when we are Jews and who come to them. But in oh, many parts true. of Africa, Israel is doing amazing things. And Jewish communities, Jewish leaders are doing things in terms of building ties, <clears throat> humanitarian projects. Some are um, investments in whole slew of areas. In Equatorial Guinea, where we were, this example where they have a kosher ho- ho- uh, hospital, <laughs> which has a hotel and everything, but full-time kosher for all the patients and everybody, with uh, several hundred Israeli doctors and uh, managers uh, resident there. Can I find it on the globe, Equatorial Guinea? Can I find it? You can. And by the way, is that how how a good number of representatives who were there spend the convention, basically complaining that you're there? Pardon me? Is that how a good number of conventioneers spend their time at this gathering, basically complaining that you're there? There were several, and uh, we'll be talking about that a little later uh, on uh, and uh, give some of the details. But uh, the very fact that you talk about looking it up on a globe shows your age. I don't think any young person today knows what a globe is anymore, <laughs> but they know how to Google it. Or, or they know what the image of a globe is. <laughs> that might be right. the case. Listen, I know we keep saying this, and having you here last week to discuss it in person made it even more special, but it's, it's got to be said again. Uh, I, I just got a note uh, that I mentioned on the air from our friend Janet Hode, who informed me that in Teaneck, New Jersey today, at 5 o'clock on a Friday, and Malcolm, you know what, what 5 o'clock on a Friday is, not exactly the most convenient time, for, especially for leaders of Jewish families. They are gathering together as a group called Mothers of Teaneck Unite for a pre-Shabbos Tehillim, hoping that it brings back our boys. And again, I need to reiterate uh, the number of people who have no affiliation with our community that I keep hearing from that are spending part of their day in prayer and with psalms. And then again, on the other end, the number of yeshivot around the world that are taking part of their Torah study day, and we know that, it's th- that their schedule is taken very seriously when it comes to Torah study, and are interrupting those studies to make sure that Ayal, Gilad, and Naftali are remembered. It's simply amazing. Amazing, and it shows where the real heart of the Jewish people is, and that, as you said, affiliated, unaffiliated, every stream, uh, we also get the reports, and there have been hundreds and hundreds of these events, which we think are, are better than having one big thing, because the number of people involved is so much greater. The broad involvement of young people in some of these events, uh, aside from those being held at schools themselves, and now that all the high schools and colleges are out, the, doing it in the community is important. And the summer camps, right? Absolutely. And, we, and 
You know, there have been a lot of developments. The names of the perpetrators were released and the, by the Israeli government, or at least those alleged to have done it. Right. And the... Now, that, that, that's here again, points to Hamas. Right. That's how I got to interrupt you for a second. For the common guy like me, when you hear names being released, so the natural thing, the natural reaction is great. We know who they are. Now, IDF, go get them. I guess it's not as simple as that, huh? Uh, they have disappeared. I mean, they have been missing. Uh, um, they, they are known to have been activists, and uh, they're both, as I said, residents of Hebron. And they were last seen on the night of June 12th, right before the three went missing. And uh, the Shinbet uh, named them on Thursday, I think, uh, as the prime aspect uh, suspects in the uh, abductions. And uh, they described them as Hamas um, activists. And it's the first information, you know, both underscoring the link that the prime minister has made repeatedly and Netanyahu uh, called on Abbas uh, to break his reconciliation pact with Hamas. And by the way, Abbas was invited to be a speaker at the African Union meeting, uh, which was quite surprising because they're not members of the African Union, uh, the, um, along with the president of Egypt who was there. The Hamas um, have praised the kidnapping, and we know that they've uh, done things in schools and elsewhere to uh, get the children excited about it and the three-finger salute which is being used uh, to harass Israeli soldiers and civilians is meant to be an insult uh, to them. So the uh, the history of these guys, one of, of whom was a barber and I think the other one owned a store near Yerushalayim, um, have both been in Israeli jails and one of them, uh, Kawasama, I think his name was, admitted to being Recruited by Hamas military, uh, the quote military wing. And Marwan Kasma, right? Listen, um, not that, uh, you know, I, I'm sure the Prime Minister and the head of the Shin Bet knows better than I do, but I'm just curious. Any downside to releasing the names publicly? <clears throat> I think, yes, at the beginning, no now. Uh, the fact that they uh, named the suspects uh, after so many days uh, can be read in a variety of ways. Some are reading it, obviously, as a bad sign. Um, uh, Benny Gantz, the, the Lieutenant General Gantz, who's the chief of the IDF, uh, said this week that the, the more time passes, the greater the concern for their lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was interpreted by a lot of the media to lower expectations that they would come back alive. And certainly the more time, uh, the more skepticism there will be about the prospect uh, so I think that each of these steps that they took were, were, is meant to put more pressure on and to in the hope uh, that if we prevent any uh, bad action against the boys uh, and maybe as the people know who they are, maybe they will reveal information about them. Yeah, by the way, I wish that American officials, especially those who I continue to point out, always claim that they're there for the Jewish world, would be would be demanding the end of the reconciliation pact between the PA and Hamas, as you described earlier. But I, I don't know. Some of the voices in this country disturb me in terms of their uh, l- lack of uh, of being vocal when it comes to this one issue, which is demanding. If you don't want to demand that there should be economic consequences from Washington, okay, maybe I can understand that. You don't want to go up against the Obama administration. But at least demand that Hamas and the PA, that the PA rather, and Hamas be separated again. 
and that this reconciliation pact not be recognized? Well, some of them obviously answer us that uh, Hamas is not part of the government. They're separate. But we know now that Hamas elements have been firing rockets from Gaza, 20 to 30 rockets uh, last week. Uh, Hamas actually arrested some of the cell members who were involved in that. Uh, but the big split this week was between the Hamas members, the 42,000 who work for Hamas in Gaza and are not being paid. They went on a strike yesterday uh, because they want the Palestinian Authority to pick up the, the bill for it. And, they, um, and the, the, they're trying to put undermine the unity government because they're paying a price for it. As you know, it, the Palestinians pay... 70,000 people already in Gaza for doing nothing. So the internal situation within the, the quote, unity government uh, is, has been murky, murky this week uh, with Abbas making certain statements, and et cetera, but no real action. And they're hiding behind this facade of the technical government right. uh, rather than facing up to the fact that Hamas has still been given legitimacy and, and a role in the government. Yesterday I had the honor of having Rabbi Steinsaltz in my studio, and that conversation I'm going to play uh, on our stream at 10 o'clock on Tuesday morning. One of the things we discussed, and, and you and I mentioned it last week, the, the lack of demands from kidnappers is somewhat baffling. As time goes by... Uh, what what do you make of the fact that we're simply not hearing anything, whether it be demands, news, videos, credit, c- credit audio tapes, anything? What what do you make of this lack of communication from these kidnappers? It, it does not fit the mo of past attacks. It's uh, you know it's surprising that they haven't asked for anything. I've heard different interpretations from experts. I, I don't want to quote because I don't know which ones are valid and why. Start, you know, people believing that, that some of these things are facts when, when right now everything seems to be uh, speculation. Uh, but it is, I raised this, if you remember, the first week that, that no one took credit and then that there were no demands, yeah. not for the release of prisoners, not for anything else during this time. And it's, it's very surprising. Uh, so Marwan Kasma, Amar Abu Isha are identified as the kidnappers. We assume they are part of Hamas and they, they were directed by directors of Hamas in whatever geographic region you want to give credit for uh, to carry out this kidnapping. Right. That makes sense? Yep. A lot of people are frustrated. You alluded to it earlier about whether we should, uh, in fact, march on Washington or not. Uh, you're right that these smaller rallies and gatherings around the world are very effective, and we, and you, I'm sure you're very proud of the Jewish community in terms of how, how they reacted. But is, is it the calendar that's against us? If it wasn't the beginning of July coming up, you think there would be a much more you know, major effort to get more numbers on the street? There would have been, and I spoke to the local leadership and others, and because this, the high schools, the first days were in finals, we were in touch with many schools, and uh, they all gave the same answer, that they could not participate at this time. Right. Uh, the, and, and as you know, there have been uh, manifestations, public manifestations. Sure. The uh, idea of targeting Washington, though, is not, does not make much sense right now, I think, because, you know, the, the, um, uh, the target, and it diverts the attention, the fact is that Congress has been strong. The president this week supposedly made a very strong statement, uh, which was quoted. White House put it out uh, and claimed that he's, they've been working with Israel since the first day. And it was, uh, you know, people who asked why there was no sympathetic statement. So there was a sympathetic statement that came out. 
But Washington isn't the target in this case. Right. We can talk about the aid to the PA, and we will have opportunities to do that. We've been working on it. We've had many discussions with members of Congress and the administration about it. Uh, the, the focus right now is to keep the issue alive and use it as an opportunity to explain to people what is the reality on the ground. What, why is there this commitment? Do you know how many people go missing every day? Disappear. We see now in Nigeria again another group of students disappeared, and, and there were for a short time demonstrations and focus on it. But you see how it dissipated, and it's better if we can keep this issue alive by constant events. And at those events, they should invite elected officials, right. as took place this week in New York, as took place in other cities across the country. And it is a sustained effort. I think it's touched people deeply, and and many non-Jews as well. No question talked in, in very strong terms, and you see the visitors to Israel, the high-profile visitors who go and yeah. visit the families. No question about it. Oh, Tony Orlando, did you see his appearance? I thought that was amazing. At the graduation. I thought that, well, no, at the, at the family, at the family in Israel. With I, the family, but I thought he, he attended uh, the graduation ceremony or somehow. Oh, very possible, very possible. He was amazing, as so many others were, as you just pointed out. It's America's one and only Jewish moment in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, and around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Uh, I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com, who not only continue to recommend our live stream to their amazing uh, collection of uh, readers, but have been amazing in terms of covering this uh, specific episode in Israel with commentary and in-depth analysis of what's going on in the Middle East. So thank you, JewishWorldReview.com. Glad I remembered to thank them because they've been uh, just incredible over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I mentioned the calendar in a different regard earlier. It seems to always come up. Ramadan, I believe, starts this Sunday. It's because of Rosh Chodesh. Right, Rosh Chodesh Tammuz. So it starts this Sunday. Uh, we keep reading, at least the way the Jerusalem Post is reporting it, that Israel is somewhat waning in its uh, aggressive campaign, rounding people up and searching house to house. Is this going to continue to wane because of the calendar, because Ramadan begins on Sunday? It's not because of the calendar. It's because of the number of uh, prospective suspects and people that uh, need to be targeted. They've, they have essentially dismantled much of the infrastructure of Hamas in uh, Judea Samaria, the West Bank, and in, uh, and have um, in extensive investigations uh, going on. So it's it's the calendar. I don't think it is what dictates it. I think it's that uh, they have rearrested many of the people they released in the past. They 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 are forcing them to finish out their sentences. Uh, so the the uh, the question is how many people who they think could be relevant to this. There are yet to be picked up. We have seen Western and or Democratic uh, uh, countries, you know, take a Ramadan break before. We've we've heard of this concept before. Yes, people have because it's uh, it's a very sensitive time, and uh, they people have uh, in in certain regards, but not when it comes to a life and death issue. How many arrests do you think there've been total? If you had to, I mean, I have no idea if you know this or not. I'm just curious. Like, we're we're where in terms of a tally of how many people have been interrogated at this point or have been held by Israel at this point? More than 300, the last that I saw. And, um, And of those 300, we do know that some of them were prisoners released in the Shalit deal, correct? Yes. 
51 that I mentioned were all released in the Shelley deal. Right. And uh, they, I assume Israel has a right to deal with them more harshly because well, of their... Because they violated the terms of their of their part. They were not allowed to be part of a terrorist group they once they were... They were not allowed to be... Um, uh, they had to be returned to, to serve their balance of uh, the sentence. And hundreds, as you remember, were released at the time. Uh, many of them had very heavy sentences, and they were shortened as a result of the of the deal. But now they have met, these have been rearrested, and I wouldn't be surprised that you won't see many more. Uh, the president of the United States, in a meeting with the president of Israel, the outgoing president of Israel, spoke about speaking to the attorney general regarding Jonathan Pollard. Very nice. Did, was there any substantive con- uh, conversation about this, about the kidnapping episode, when the president of Israel was in the uh, Oval Office? Oh yes, it was the first issue that was discussed and they and the, as i said the president issued a very strong statement about a uh, personal statement but also about the cooperation between the u.s and uh, israel and the u.s has said they put all their resources at israel's disposal to do whatever they can to help has israeli aggression again been brought up at the united nations in the aftermath of all these arrests and the way israel's gone in and has tried to eradicate hamas from judea Yes, they raised it. The, the, there was a move this week to, to condemn Israel for the uh, investigations, interrogations, arrests. And uh, it's, it's never surprising. You know, the, the General Assembly passed 25 resolutions last year. 21 of them were about Israel. And we saw at the African summit attitudes still towards Israel, including from some countries that in, on certain levels cooperate with Israel and benefit from Israel. On the other hand, uh, engage in behavior that is quite outrageous. The Egyptians at the U.N., some of the others uh, who join them, it's uh, it's very disturbing and, uh, to say the least, uh, hypocritical in, in, uh, in regard to their other behavior. You know, I saw the families of the uh, kidnapped boys come out against the hunger strike deal that the Israelis made with those yeah. who were on... To, frankly, and again, not to judge, especially them in this situation, but frankly, it didn't look like the Israeli officials conceded much in that deal. Am I crazy for thinking that? Look, the families look at any concession right now, I guess, as uh, weakening the bargaining or the leverage position. Uh, from what we know of the deal, uh, it does not seem to have been a major concession to stop the hunger strike, which has become a major rallying factor on the West Bank and other areas. And, uh, you know, the death of these guys, and they have to hospitalize him at considerable expense. But now with Ramadan coming on, I think they were able to use that additional leverage to to get an agreement. All right. I guess symbolically, anything that looks like any type of concession with guys like this is going to be painful to the family. Of course. Yeah, understood. I have good reason. If you look at the record of what, you know, has been going on, the number of attacks, the stabbings, the other incidents, and and when you look at the polls of the Palestinian people, that the two-state solution, as it's called, has less than 30% support. And uh, and even though they don't support violence, they no longer support um, a two-state solution or believe it's, it's uh, in its validity. wonder how, how much those numbers would change if the boys were returned safely. I really wonder about that. Um, the brand-new president of Israel has expressed an interest in meeting with PA head Mahmoud Abbas. Is that, is that a bad idea to make statements like that without the permission of the prime minister? Not a good start to to the relationship and to to uh, changing you know back the nature of the presidency, which became very activist under Shimon Peres, uh, and there was a reconciliation between the president Rivlin and Bibi, who did not support him. 
So this, uh, as, an, uh, as an opening salvo, it's raised a lot of questions and eyebrows. Yeah, I can imagine. We'll talk about more in the Middle East in a second. We're, ne- we're, gonna, we're never going to get to the whole issue anyway, but we, we, will, we will start touching on it in a moment. I just have to ask you about this big story. A lot of people are saying that the quote-unquote Jewish-American establishment dropped the ball on this, and you could certainly answer that question in terms of the divestment announcement and, and the vote in the Presbyterian Church. Um, Tell me what, I mean, you know, it's front page news. Uh, what kind of impact is this going to have, number one, on the uh, relationship between Christians and Jews in this country? And is this is this a done deal? Is there any more uh, influence that Jewish leaders can have when it comes to the Presbyterian Church and this, uh, and this decision? Look, the vote was 310 to 303. It was not an overwhelming endorsement. It was not a boycott of Israel. Their words, it's a boycott of these three companies, you know, Caterpillar, et cetera, Euler uh, Packard, Motorola. Uh, this, it's, it's of limited uh, nature. So they're saying, look, we did not declare a boycott. It doesn't come under the boycott law. But we just said that, that these three companies, for their activities in the West Bank, uh, they will suffer for it because these com- companies actually have been very profitable. And uh, when people in the past uh, tried to divest from Caterpillar, they were sued because the, the results of their investments, the funds that they were investing in, were, were diminished by it. But So number one, the Presbyterians is 1.8 million people. It's a very small group. They love this visibility. And it is a small group of radicals within the Presbyterian Church that has been pushing this agenda for a long time. It's not insignificant, but I think it's a mistake to blow this thing so out of proportion and... Uh, you know, there were other votes in other denominations of the Protestant Church that rejected it, and the people rejected. Their members often reject it when um, the leadership in, in different denominations have raised uh, the, the boycott uh, or the BDS or other kind of initiatives against Israel. They, in fact, say that they, still, that they support Israel in the resolution that tries to make a distinction. What is artificial is the way that it's perceived, and, and it's not the economic impact. It's not going to affect Caterpillar or Packard or Motorola. It is, it's going to have no effect on their bottom line or on Israel's. It is the symbolism of this and the, the selectivity of it and the fact that a, a church group could, could ignore morality and ignore the realities and, and adopt this kind of, uh, of a resolution. So... It should be kept in perspective about its significance, but it tells us, and those who are, are skeptical when we talk about uh, the BDS movement and people say, well, it hasn't succeeded in a lot of places, that's true. It is not like it is in, in uh, Europe, but uh, uh, they did reaffirm Israel's right to exist and a two-state solution and all the rest. The, the, this was misguided, and the Israeli reaction was very strong to it, uh, and said he, he invited Prime Minister invited them to come on for a bus tour, but he said he wants to start in Syria, Lebanon, Iraq, <laughs> and he suggested they shouldn't tell anybody that they're Christians because of what this, the, ta- the status of Christians in all of those countries as opposed to their status in Israel. Understood. Were there other Protestant uh, denominations that uh, commented on the Presbyterian decision? I did not see any uh, statements that I can recall, but I can tell you that Hispanic evangelical leaders, major figures who were in Israel on an America's Voices trip, came out and issued very strong statements condemning it. So did other leaders like Pastor Hagee and uh, many others. All right. Um, 
Is, is there a, I'm, not that there, I mean, I, I don't know if there, if there's a reversal possible or not. My question is, is, is this an annual vote? Does it come back? It can to, come back again, absolutely. It can come back again. Um, all right, so maybe, a, maybe a lobbying effort by friends of the, of the church. Well, there was a big lobbying effort, I think, uh, and, and people went to speak there and thought that they would be able to dissuade them, and I think uh, they learned the lesson also, that this is driven by radical ideologies and, and uh, political extremists in these movements, and who can dictate to the larger groups, as we saw, whether it's in the professional associations or academic associations. Right. And when you really test the members, then they do not support it. Right. Uh, what happened on the Syrian border this week? We know about this episode where a 13-year-old Israeli Arab was killed. Um, but in general, you know, we uh, I, I, I'm sure that uh, Israel is monitoring that border very closely. How would you describe the situation up there? Increasingly tense. And if you remember, a couple of weeks ago I spoke about Hezbollah in Syria, that they had announced that they're going to uh, establish their presence uh, and, and the Syrian officials mentioned it too, on the Golan or near the Golan, that Israel will be attacked from two fronts, Lebanon and Syria. Uh, there have been investments. We know that Iran has spoken of, of the Golan now as their uh, defense line, primary defense line, and we know what, what that means uh, against. Israel generally you know, now faces a, a pro-Iranian regime in Damascus, grown uh, seemingly more solid uh, of late, though certainly not a predictable future. The influence in Baghdad, the, the strengthening of Hezbollah, the whole uh, Shiite uh, front and the Sunni front, you have a radical ISIS. So Israel's situation uh, facing this, uh, the Golan is sort of a microcosm of that, where you have uh, these uh, terrorist groups and you had a firing, which was traced, responded to the is, uh, Syrian army by uh, Israel, and they took out two tanks and a control center, a few other things. Uh, but the Golan, which has been relatively quiet, there have been no attacks for decades across it because, you know, whenever they wanted to attack, they did it from uh, Lebanon. They have said now and said it clearly that this is, this is their intent, and I think that, that we're going to see more and more serious situations uh, emerging uh, from, from these places. And Iranian forces... Um, who have been more based in, in Syria now are moving towards Iraq, but the radical radical elements are, remain in, in Syria and have been there all along. All right, so and this threat, by the way, is equal to Jordan. So we're, we're starting to we're starting to understand some of these alliances that you've described to us over the last week. So Iran and ISIS and the um, and the Sunni they're all on the quote unquote same side. ISIS was with Iran. Now in Iraq, they're on opposite side because Iran dominates the Maliki government. It's a, it's a, a, a puppet government of theirs. So there's three sides in Iraq. Oh, no, there are many sides. As I keep saying, you know, on these things, these are all onions that you have to peel. One I know, but just when I started to get the sides, now you're throwing in another side. Uh, the, oh, the, United, the United sides, if you want. The United States, through Secretary Kerry, came out this week in support of the Iraqi government, correct? And that would mean that we are supporting the Shiites in Iraq, correct? To support stability, and support, but they're saying that Maliki should be inclusive and bring the Sunnis into the government. But that's impossible if they're going to be revolting violently constantly. Well, they're saying that there are other elements, not the, not the ISIS, 
there are moderate elements and, and uh, tribal leaders who have said that they would join the uh, Maliki government. To defeat the ISIS? Because they, they're afraid of ISIS, who are so radical that everybody fears them, including the Sunnis, and they have no hesitation killing uh, uh, Sunnis as well. And Do you agree that those moderate groups exist in Iraq? The tribal leaders are people who are responsible to their to their citizens, their members, and it was a mistake we made in the first Iraq war, or the second Iraq war, rather, when Iraqis told us, and we communicated, and they said, let the tribal leaders give them the arms and weapons. They know who belongs, they know who doesn't belong, and they'll take care of them. And the, the Iraqi army now, everybody has seen their performance, uh, what's called the, the army of the Iraqi people, it doesn't exist. And because, in, as some say, there's no Iraqi people. It is a tribal society, and you, they have never managed to really create this cross-tribal, cross-ethnic national identity or unity, uh, as well as between the Shiites and the, and the Sunnis there. Now you have all of these uh, divisions being um, uh, exacerbated, but you are quite right. Sometimes it crosses lines. So it crosses between Sunnis and Shiites. You know, uh, some people see ISIS as part of Iran's drive for, for regional hegemony, that they invested in it. Now they're, now they're angry at them, but um, we don't know that this will be uh, a turning point uh, in, the, in their relationship and, and Iran bringing in people from Iraq to, to, to fight them. So it's, it, every one of these relationships is extremely uh, complicated. Because ISIS... See the shifting alliances at... at all the time, every day, it can be different. Look at Turkey now, gave up on a unified Iraq. So now you see them, in a sense, recognizing Kurdish um, uh, separatism, which affects them. They have 12 million Kurds, and they fight it within their own border, but at the same time, seem to be winking at it in terms of, uh, of the situation. I thought Iraq. the Kurds were aligned with Maliki, that they, are, that they support the Iraqi government. They're not really aligned with Maliki. They're aligned with themselves. They're looking to be able to, to exploit the situation, gain more autonomy, control of the oil exports. You saw that they exported some oil to Israel. One second. There's a, Kurdish, there's, a, there's a Kurdish community in Turkey, and there's one in Iraq, correct? Iraq, Iran, Syria, and Turkey. And you're saying that not all the Kurds are aligned with the moderate... In Syria, they fought the, the Syrian government. They, they, they're looking to establish their own identity, their own area, and... Something that uh, you know that they've had close relations with Israel, with the Kurds, uh, and there are a large number of Kurdish Jews, or a significant number of Kurdish Jews in Israel. Uh, this is this is very serious. Turkey turned to NATO about its concerns with ISIS, and um, and and came out this week against uh, Iran having nuclear weapons because but, of their fear of the connection between them. But ISIS has no presence in Turkey. No, but they're saying that they're now threatening them because of their being in the borders in Syria. Meaning if they would take over in, in a place like Iraq. They pose a threat then to, to Turkey. To Turkey. Turkey is turning to NATO. I mean, everybody's turning to somebody uh, in, in this. And the, the, the situation in Iraq is so uh, has diminished so greatly. And remember, the ISIS just now is close to taking over key oil refineries and, and oil installations. Right. They're close to, to uh, taking over many of the border, or have taken over many of the key border crossings. They took O.C. Rock, which I keep saying is so symbolic to us, right. at least, and took over the old chemical weapons plants as they move across the country and move in many directions. So that's why the United States is expressing support for Maliki and the quote-unquote moderates in the hope 
that they'll be able to secure the oil and that the ISIS would not end up controlling it. That, that's right. And the you see villagers who are not Kurdish fleeing into Kurdish areas, which you see used to fight all the time. Uh, I mean, it's just... So, it, excuse they, they're me. They're right near one of the big dams. And now the fear is, it's called the uh, Habita, Habita, the fear is that they will open the dam and flood. It's the second biggest dam in in Iraq. So, you know, it's so complicated. There's just so much going on. So, and and I I apologize to any member of the audience who's frustrated by the fact that it's taking me a month to get this, but hang on a second. So, so therefore, if, if, if Iran did not have the feeling that the ISIS could end up being even more powerful than the way they control things in Iraq, then they probably would be aligned a lot more closely. But they're so. But even Iran is so afraid that the ISIS will become this forceful, independent leader in Iraq that they have to that they are fearful and they and they come out against them. And they have, and it is blown way out of control for them. They like to have these instruments to destabilize, and they're willing to play both sides. Like Hamas, why did they back Hamas as Sunni, and they backed Hezbollah, which is Shiite? Whatever serves their immediate purposes, and uh, they are not aligned in any way with the the U.S. They don't want any foreign interference in the U.S. They don't want to, uh, in Iraq. They don't want the U.S. to to come into it. Um, they see it as a war between Sunnis and Shiites. So now they're saying, oh, the the extremists want to come in to deprive Iraq of stability and turn to equality which is ISAS, when they were the ones who actually built them up and helped build them up. Right. If, any, if anyone's going to be in charge of instability, it's going to be us. Yeah, well, nobody else is coming in. This is our, our month. We don't want anyone we else. Have the, we have the premium on this. Uh, all right, so uh, we're way over time, but I, I just I, I got to ask you this because it's such an important aspect of this week's news. Israel was freaking out about what aspect of the nuclear deal with Iran this week? Look, the, the deal it doesn't exist, but what they're freaking out about is the, the word and the reports that the number of centrifuges that will be permitted. Originally, they talked about hundreds. Now they're talking about thousands. Uh, the president this week assured um, Perez and issued statements and to the, the leaders, and he meant that they will not allow them to have a nuclear weapon, that they will guarantee, you know, uh, assuring Israel's security, that America is committed to the security, I should say. Uh, but uh, Netanyahu is now going to launch a diplomatic initiative directed at the at the P5 plus one because they are now going to engage in two weeks of marathon talks. We're told mm. that uh, to lead up to the Ju- July 20th deadline, the Russians are the ones who have been talking about it and they're pressing for a solution. And they talk about the wanting an end to to sanctions. That's Iraq. Iran's goal is not so much to make a deal as to get relief from the sanctions. And Israel sees in this the, the makings of what they call a bad deal. Right. And all along, President said, no deal is better than a bad deal. Right. And the question was always the definition of a bad deal. So the, we're coming now to a critical stage uh, in that uh, the deadline, it's not a hard deadline. It could be extended for six months. The President said they're not going to extend it just for the sake of extension uh but the, the, everybody in the Middle East is, you know, is holding their breath. And the fear is that the West backs off. You know, they, they didn't do anything when it comes to protecting their own interests. Now, just a sign on the ISIS that British Muslims are being recruited for ISIS. Mm-hmm. And they announced it, and there are, there are videos of them tearing up their passports, of Jordanians tearing up their passports, saying that they are joining uh, 
the ISIS group. So the whole region is an uproar, and the worst thing, the worst uh, fuel you could put on this plane is that Iran will have the capacity to build a nuclear weapon. Would it be accurate to call any person who wants to be part of the ISIS a radical Muslim, or is that not politically correct? Yes, and they, uh, they certainly are once they get there. Uh, all right, a couple of quick things. Just really, 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 Did you see the article in the New York Times over last weekend about the French Jews moving to Israel? I know, yes, and there are... There were talks this week. There was a meeting because the, uh, on the anniversary uh, of what took place in Brussels. Right. And they're saying, well, we'll deal with it, but it has to be European-wide, something we urged them a long time ago. But the, the recognition that they have no real way of containing it and of dealing with it. And it, it's a third of, of European Jewry has indicated that they want to leave. There's a new organization set up and money being put by Israel uh, for, for Aliyah. But I saw Germany is setting up a system to make it easier for Ukrainian Jews to emigrate to Germany. Go figure. Yeah, right. Unbelievable. <laughs> and finally, 10 seconds, your relationship with Howard Baker. With Howard Baker? Yeah, I mean, he passed away. I'm yeah. curious if, if you would call him one of the good guys or bad guys when it came to international foreign policy. No, Howard Baker was, we worked with Howard Baker for, for many years. It was, it was somewhat mixed, but... I would say overall he was uh, he was supportive in a lot of the key times. There you go. All right, Malcolm. Oh, let me just remind everyone, next week Malcolm's in Israel. If I am here, we'll certainly do a 4th of July weekly update from Israel. And uh, if not, uh, we'll let everyone know toward the uh, end of the week. Have a wonderful Shabbos and a very uh, nice trip to the Holy Land. Thank you. Oh, and everybody out there, consider this idea. We did it last week, and I hope other synagogues uh, consider it. Three empty chairs in your synagogue until the safe return of Ayal Gilad and Naftali. Let's continue to pray for Ayal Gilad and Naftali. And a, one of the nice, there are a lot of nice gestures out there that a lot of people are uh, taking on, and uh, one of them that's synagogue-wide throughout the world. Uh, some people are taking uh, Rabbi Alio Fink's suggestion and leaving three empty chairs. It's a beautiful gesture and just another suggestion.